Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, for the duration of our time, I'd like to tag this text, love out loud. Love out loud. Father, we thank you and bless you for the opportunity to do what only uh, you can do, and that's give strength uh, to a weak messenger that finds his strength in you. And God, I'm praying today that we would all find our strength in you through your word. And God, this is, this is what's necessary from our perspective is that you would show up during this time as you already have. And we need you. This gathering is nothing without you. We shouldn't even come if you're not here. It's a session of entertainment without you. But with you present, God, it's, it's a gathering of the saints. And so, Lord, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. Let us uh, not just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but doers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, 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 amen. He's going to preach today. Name. Come on, y'all. I hear y'all. Sing it a little louder. <laughs> then you sometimes go astray. Oh, through what? Y'all better sing up in this mug. All right, all right. Come back. <laughs> brothers, brothers going like this, about to get up. Someone's they're doing the Marvin Gaye on that mug, man. Somebody trying to go like this. That's not that song. That's not the song to do this on. <laughs> oh, Lord, y'all so crazy. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. That song to me, I, that's one of my favorite songs of all time. And I, I love that song because it's an ode to love and how love is such a short word, but it's deeply misunderstood. Um, um, it, it, it's almost like he's repenting for how love is being used. And, and, and if truth be told throughout the room, many of us uh, 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 should be repenting of how we've misused it as well. Uh, um, uh, uh, it, it's, it's the four-letter word in our language that is the only four-letter word that can, that can be exalted among above all other words. And what's funny about the word love is love is one of those words and love is one of those ideas that everybody wants. How many of you want to be loved? How many of you want, if you admit it, you want to be loved, um, you, you, you want to be loved, you want to be loved by your family, you want to be loved 
by your friends. You want to be loved by your neighbors. You want to be loved by your church. You want to be loved. Everywhere you go, you want to be loved. It's, it, it, it's, it's the spirit of Cheers, that old TV show. Everybody wants to go where everybody knows your name. In other words, when you come up in the spot, everybody, yo, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? How the family doing? I mean, this sense of community, this sense of excitement. But everybody wants to receive love, but not many people want to give love. It's, it's, the, it's that thing that everybody wants to, everybody wants to, judges their relationships based on whether or not you love me right. If you don't love me right, I deserve to be treated a certain way. And if you don't treat me a certain way, I'm out or whatever. But you end up staying because you want to be loved so much that you're emotionally attached to that situation that you stay in it too long, not realizing that you're never going to get what you're trying to get because you're trying to pull it out of a person versus somebody deciding to give it to you. Help me today, God. And, 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 what's, and what's interesting is, is if, if there's something, uh, you, you can forgive the church for being messed up if our love statutes were higher. Because love has a way of creating loyalty where there's brokenness. And, 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 and in, in that reality, people will stay in stuff that's unhealthy if they feel like they're loved. Y'all not going to talk back to me. And, 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 and be, that's how powerful love is is, 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 is people will stay in a church where the gospel ain't preached, the word of God ain't preached, the leadership is jacked up, toe up from the full up publicly and privately, but just because they got people there that they feel like love them, they'll stay in an unhealthy situation with a miscued view of love. Some of us will stay in some relationships. you getting beat down, you getting tore down, you getting cussed out and emotionally abused, but after you get slapped in the face, all he or she got to do is bring you a roll, some candy, or for guys, buy you some Jordans and everything sweeped over. In other words, in our lives, we'll, we'll stay in messed up stuff that we feel abused by and messed up by, but, but at the end of the day, we feel an emotional connection in that situation where we say, I feel loved, and therefore, I'll put up with the ways that I don't feel loved in order to remain where I feel like I'm loved. And so, we see that then in reality, all of us wanna be loved. <laughs> Eric Benet has a great soliloquy, a great song where he says, Love once left me cold and gray. I had almost reached heaven just to feel it slip away. But life's too short to waste away. Being scared to take chances or so even, uh, so I've heard wise men say, I want to be loved, faithful and true. I want to be loved 10 million lifetimes with you. I want to be loved after all I've been through. I'll, I'll let my heart take its chances just because I want to be loved. Wanting to be loved is a place of desperation for all of us. It's the place where we find meaning. It's the place where we find community. It's the place where we find belonging, where we're loved. And so Paul writes a chapter on it. Uh, although the whole Bible is about, in some way, shape, or form, love, Paul writes a chapter on love. And, and in the previous chapter, he's, he did something interesting. He took us through the spiritual gifts. And he took us through several gifts <coughs> that were powerful sign gifts, if you will, that, 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 were, that were almost, they, they, were the loud, they valued the loud gifts, if you will. 
the gifts of tongues, the gifts of healing, um, the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of words of knowledge, the, uh, uh, the gifts of words of wisdom, they valued that. But Paul, at the end of the chapter, says, does all do that? In, in other words, everybody can't do all of these because earlier in the chapter, he says that the Holy Spirit sovereignly assigns to each person as he wills. But at the end of the chapter, he says, but I want to show you a more excellent way. As a matter of fact, I want to show you the higher gifts. And I'm going to start with the first higher gift, and the higher gift is love. It's interesting, it's interesting that, that, that just as the Spirit sovereignly dispenses to every believer an individual gift based on their individual usage in a local body or beyond, and it's all different, love is the only gift that's imputed to every believer in our ability to both receive and to give. That's why I love the great verse where it says, and while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Oh, help me today, God. I'm so glad that God didn't wait till I get it right to show me some love. Oh, yeah, you see, 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 if God waited for you to get right, we'd all be in hell right now. But because he's rich in mercy and grace and love and he's massive in his excellencies, he loved us even when we didn't love ourselves or others. And so we come to this passage that lays out the is of love and the does of love. The is and the does of love, which brings me to my first and only point for our time today. One point, one point only. Love is a gift every disciple has and every disciple must give. Love is a gift every disciple has and every disciple must give. Verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, stop right there. He said, you can know every language on the planet. Paul said, he can, you can know every language. Valez-vous Francais and oui, oui, Mary, and you can know everything. You know what I'm saying? Como esta? You can know yo te amo too. You, you, can know all, you, can, you, can know, you can know all the languages of the earth. You, 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 can, you, can know, you can know that the earth was built out of ex nihilo, out of nothing. You can know um, uh, a tan halagas, he halagas. In the beginning was the word. You can know all of that stuff. And you can still not have no love. In other words, you can be gifted at every language and every sub-language within every language, every piece of slang, and not have no love. You can talk. In other words, he said you can talk love in every language, but if you don't use it, you don't love nobody. He talks about having knowledge. He said, he said I'm like a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. It's interesting. You know, my son, <coughs> my five-year-old, is a drummer. Hallelujah to the Hallelujah. And he's gifted. Praise God. Um, but he only likes to play drums when I'm in the basement. Amen. And the drum set is set up behind my chair. Amen. And we had so much noise with my son. You know, my, I got an old head neighbor next to me. Money was, came, came over knocking on our door. So we had to, you know, shut, shut Shorty down. So I had to go to Guitar Center and go get some of them, cover, them rubber covers to put over the drums. And he clacked out. But the only thing I couldn't cover was the cymbal. <laughs> See, I could deal with the toms. I could deal with the bass drum. I can deal with the snare. But the cymbal may not be from Earth. Amen. Um, <laughs> Um, because when, I don't, I don't know what it's about. He hit that symbol, and I don't know why kids like to just hit, he's not like doing the, you know, like that, or and hold it like that. He's bang, 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 and I'm just, and I'm like, son, 
I'm like Janet Jackson, give me a beat. <laughs> Just like, you give me a beat, man, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I'm just, and, 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 and y'all don't know, if you ever been near a cymbal, it's like a gun shooting in your ear. I mean, it literally goes cruz, and then it goes all the way, it does go cruz, and then it goes all the way down and comes back up and hurts again. It's just, I don't know about that, you know what I'm saying? But that's how, that's how gifted people without love come off. See, you ever, you ever met somebody that they're intellectually gifted, they're theologically gifted, they're artistically gifted, they're administratively gifted, but, but, but they get on your nerves because they don't know how to love nobody. They can tell you all of the upper echelons of the astral plane of the universe. They can tell you how deep and what type of animals are in the deepest waters of the earth. They can tell you about all the sonnets that were written about Shakespeare. They can talk about geography, anthropology, epistemology, sanctification, and soteriology. But when it comes to practical loveology, it's not present. And it's, and it's a challenge when gift, because the thing about gifted people is your giftedness only connects when people know you love them. <laughs> if, folk don't, if folk don't know you love them, your gift can feel like abuse. And so, and so Paul is challenging us in the context of gifts. To say, let your gifts be fused. Somebody say fused. <laughs> let your gifts be fused with, fused with love. Look what he says. He said, if I had, he, he said, if I had prophetic powers. He didn't say prophetic gifts. He said powers. Let's just put it on a whole nother level. Because you can prophesy at will. You can just say, um, right now. Um, and you can just start laying on and people breaking down. Hold on, hold on, broke down. You know, prophetic powers. He said, he said understand all mysteries. Now, you got to understand, all mysteries, that's deep, because that means you're omniscient. You know everything. Now, no, never mind. Um, No, all mysteries. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the revealed things are for man, but the unrevealed things are for God. He's saying, even if you know the things that God knows, with all of your knowledge, with all of your knowledge of the inside outs, which you're, you, you, can know the, you can know how to cure the common cold and cancer. You can, you can know how to cure AIDS. You can know how to get rid of every disease on the planet with your omniscient knowledge. But without it being for love, it is not anything, Paul says. It's powerful what he's telling us. And he said you can have faith even to move mountains out of the way. People could come to you because they believe you can get a word through in heaven. You ever, you ever had them people that can pray? So just because of the way they pray, not because we've seen the results. <laughs> if somebody, you have somebody that pray, and they pray, everybody, hey, God, whoo, God, I bless you today. And everybody in, but nobody waited for the answer. We're talking about here that they can pray you up and pray you out. He said, and don't have love, they're nothing. Nothing. He said, they're nothing. He says, they're nothing. He said, it's nothing in, our, in, in God's eyes. But then he goes further and he says, if I have all, if I give away all, and if I deliver my body up to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. 
superlative sacrifice doesn't mean you love. You ever have somebody do something for you and they throw it in your face? <laughs> See, do you remember when you was in your stuff? Do you remember when you was going through your stuff and I was there for you? I gave you gas money. Gas money, wow. Um, <laughs> I took care of this. I paid your $20 gas bill. You know what I'm saying? I took, you know, the, 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 it almost, you, you don't ever want them to do nothing for you again. Because they gave it to you to throw it in your face. See, when somebody truly sacrifices for you, they don't throw it in your face. They use it as a way to continue to do for you, even if you ain't acting right. Help me today. And so, and so, and so, and so he, he, he's, he's helping us to understand love. Verse 4. Now he gives the is's of love, defining love, if you will. Love is patient and love is kind. Now let's define this idea of love. (laughs) Love is an interesting word because the New Testament is written in Koine Greek, everyday language. Okay, everyday language Greek. And it's the language of the commoner that was uh, the the language of that, that, that time period of the empire. And and in the Greek language, there are about seven words, six or seven words for love, only four of which are used in the Greek New Testament. One of those loves is is, is phileo, where we get uh, our idea of phila or delphos, Philadelphia, which is added on the end, which means brotherly love. That means my homie, my boy, my ace, my dog or my lady, friend, buddy, you know what I'm saying, hanging out, buddies, right? Brotherly love, that, that camaraderie love, right? That camaraderie, that team love, that we on the same dance team love, that, uh, that type of love, that's what phile- uh, a phileo is. But, but, then, but, but then we have, uh, we have uh, storgy, which is familial love, which you have for your family. Blood is sticking in water love. That's that, that's that love. You treat family different than everybody else. We can all relate to that. But then there's eros love. Eros love is interesting. It's not just sexual. This has been misinterpreted many times. Really, eros love is really sociopathical love. A sociopath is a a person that loves themselves a lot. And it's narcissistic love. It's, it's, it's love that'll, that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's what the Bible talks about in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In later times, people will be lovers of themselves. <laughs> Eros type love. It's self-gratifying love. In other words, I live for pleasure. Okay? And that, that, that's the kind of love. But it's interesting that all of those different types of love, out of all those different types of love, when, 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 when the writers wrote about the love of God in the New Testament, they didn't use storge, they didn't use a phileo, and they didn't use eros. They used agape. Somebody say agape. Agape is that love that was utilized when they were looking at words to describe who God is. They looked at the manifold perfections of who God is in his grace, in his mercy, and in his wrath, and in his holiness, in his spirituality, in his omniscience, in his omnipresence, and in his omnipotence. And the closest word that they can grab was based on what they knew about God. In other words, they didn't go to culture to ascribe attributes to God. They went to God so they when they went to culture, they say, what's the closest thing that I can use to translate for God so loved, for God so storge? No. For God so storge, because we be in this family, but that's not, that's God so phileo. Jesus said, you're not only 
my disciples, but now you're my friends. Okay, brother. Can we say eros? Well, God is self-sufficient, but we don't want the erotics of that to make its way into who God is because we got to make our words conform to him, not us conform him to our words. Agape, oh, unconditional love. That love that, 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 that love that some writers call, and which I've coined, uh, enduring, unflinching loyalty. <laughs> enduring, unflinching. God doesn't flinch at your sin when he loves you. His love doesn't come to an end. Another idea that I like to say, unconditional commitment. That means that God decided to love us when we were messed up, not when he made us new. <laughs> oh, see, some of y'all don't believe that. In, in, in other words, God saw all of your messed upness at its worst point. All at, see, God doesn't see you in moments. He doesn't. He sees all of you. When he looks at you, he sees your past, present, and future. <laughs> so, so he doesn't look at that moment when you sinned. He looked at all of when you sinned. And the processing that it took for you to make that trifling decision. And at that moment, where you thought nobody was looking, where you thought you were all alone, where you thought you could get away with it, that's when he decided to love you. That's when he, that's when he decided, that's when he decided to, he, 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 he just decided, at that point, that's why there's nothing you can do to be separated from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. That's why. That's why, and so, and so, and so, and so, he, said, he says, this unconditional loyalty, this unconditional uh, uh, commitment is patient. It's patient. What does this idea of patience, patience for us mean? Patience means to put up with a person when nobody else wants to put up with them. <laughs> it means enduring loyalty. It means that you don't stop loving a person because of where they're not where you want them to be. There are intricacies that, that we'll talk about, but, but that, that, that means that love is earned. Listen, when you love somebody in their messiness. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Um, see, people when they dating, they don't really know what they love. They don't know what they love. You love, I like her hair, you know what I'm saying? He got some cute dimples and he got real broad shoulders. He pay his bills on time. His cell phone ain't never off. Um, his car note night, he keep that air freshener stuff in his car. And, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, I mean, shorty, 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 you know. <laughs> shorty, you know. We got, we got all of these. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, because we, we, love, we love a specter. We love in some type of ghost. Now, uh, y'all, see, married people know what I'm talking about. See, when you, before you marry, you don't know what you love. All you know is what you're deducing from other people and what you feel. But you really don't know what you're getting into until you come home when they're sick of putting on the front for what you fell in love with so you can see the... Huh? But then that's when the patients start, when she find out 
the ring around the tub situation. See, see, it's not, please forgive me, but I gotta say this. It's one thing to date a person during their time of the month. It's a difference when you're married and they're out of the, 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 the Eros Storgy zone, Phileo zone. They're like, look. And they go Michael Jackson Thriller on you for the first time. You know what I'm saying? What? 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 I'm see, I know I'm telling the truth. You gotta love, you gotta love them when they cuss you slam out. I'm talking about that cuss out that's gutter that you ain't even think was part of their vocab. See, that's when love happens. Y'all ain't talking to me no more. Love is patient. Love is patient with where people are not. That's why one of the questions I ask people before they get married, I said, if this person never changes, would you still marry him? Because most of your issues with them is going to be with the lack of their change. Love is patient. But then love, he doesn't just leave it at patience. He says kind. Kind is a whole nother thing. Because patient, you're like, okay, I'm here, God. I'm here. You know what I'm saying? I'm staying. All right, you got me. I'm here. Ring on everything. Vows. Right? But kind is a whole nother. Kind means tenderhearted. Woo! That means you can't have that bite on the end of your, I'm going to do it. Tenderhearted means Babe, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah to our relationship. Bless the name of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Amen. Right? Kind, patient, kind, tenderhearted. Now, love gets to the heart. It's the disposition of your feelings wrestling with what you know the will of God to be. <laughs> That's rough, man. But that's where, the, that's where the rubber meets the road. Can you be patient with where somebody isn't, and can you be tender even though they're not where or who you want them to be? Be patient and kind, right? A.W. Tozer says it like this. He says, no law has ever been passed that can compel one moral being to love another. For by the very nature of love, of it, love must be voluntary, no one can be coerced or frightened into loving anyone. Listen, me and my wife, when we first got married, we got it at what's called a honeymoon phase, you know. And, um, and we, would ha- we had this thing where we made sure that we told each other how we were feeling that day. So this thing, this thing that we have is, is, do you feel like, you don't feel like you love me today, do you? We just had that thing. And we used to do that because we, be, we were trying to mature in the area of how to let God's will line up with our feelings. So what we would do, because listen, your feelings ain't always the will of God. So what you're doing, love makes you conform your feelings to what God says. Love is the blessed place to mature you in. Because most of your life is a wrestle between feelings and the will of God. So love is the best training ground for that to be transferred to other areas of your spiritual life. Yeah. 
Y'all ain't talking back. And so what we had to do is, I said, I don't feel like I love you today, but I'm going to decide to love you. That's what we all used to say. I don't feel like I love you today, but I'm going to decide I'm going to love you. And, 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 and over time, I, I, I can't imagine my life without her because I kept making the decision to love her. I kept making the decision to love her, even in the midst of what she wasn't and what she isn't. And she did the same for me, and now I can't see my life without her. Why? Because my feelings followed the faith of Christ. Faith never follows feelings, ever. He said, love is patient. (laughs) He says, uh, love is kind. And then he goes in and he further says about love is love does not envy. The Greek word <laughs> for envy is hateros. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. But <laughs> But you know what I mean, right? <laughs> Uh, (laughs) envy means envy means to see God doing something in somebody's life that you want done in your life but he hasn't done it in your life yet and you hate on him in other words when you're in relationships with people that you've been dreaming great things with and then God starts moving on their life, and you seem left behind, and instead of celebrating with them, you hate on them. Oh, y'all looking at me funny. You, you, know, you know when you envy somebody is when God does something in their life, and you try to find something wrong with them, so that other people can see them in light of your hateration. I mean, you know, I mean, God's blessing, you know, but... You know, um, but but you but but you but I can you know, don't don't look at me like a hater. <laughs> I'm not a hater. And then you go into a soliloquy on why you should have been blessed instead of them. Envy envy is an evil sin because it's divisiveness and slander cloaked in correction. And, that, and, that, and, 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 what, and what can happen with, with, with envy is, is, is envy, in, envy, envy wants. That, that's, that's, that shows you that you're self-gratifying because you have an eros about yourself. And, 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 and nobody can get blessed but you. But then he flips it on the other person. He says, love isn't boastful or boastful and is not arrogant. In other words, when you know the people in your sphere struggle with what God blessed you with, you don't throw it in their face. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Single ladies all out. It's 20 of y'all. Okay? Two of y'all get a good man. Five of y'all been through bad relationships. The rest ain't been in none. The two of y'all like, girl, let me tell you, and you just throwing it all in their face. Just throwing a, look at my ring. We about to do. We about to go. This about to happen. Get out. And they just, they, you don't know, they want to slap the taste out of your mouth <laughs> right, right while you're standing there. Why? Because you're throwing boastfully in their face, knowing the weakness of what they struggle with. Friends, when they get blessed, don't throw success that they know that their friends are struggling with in their face. 
boasting. He said, if you boast in it, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands the Lord. Make somebody envious of that. That's a good one. We don't boast and big up opportunities unless others are able to enter into our joy. If you know you got friends that can enter into your joy, those are the friends you talk about, what God is doing. Don't go to somebody else, I can't talk to them about nothing God is doing in my life. Because you don't, see, that's wrong. Let's pray for God to give them the grace for them to enjoy God where they are. That's love. So that we can all share in one another's successes and weep with one another's failures and encourage one another beyond where we are so that all of us can be where God wants us to be. Because boastful and envious relationships find identity in exaltation and not Jesus. Let me keep moving. Let me keep moving. So, 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 so where's he going? Look, look, look at verse, this is helpful to us, verse 5. He says, or rude. <laughs> rude means dishonorable. You just rude. <laughs> Indecently dealing with folk. Just indecent. You just rude. You ever just met somebody just mean for no reason? You don't even know why they mean. They just been mean, always been mean. People talk about them being mean, and they just mean. That's what rude means in the Greek, mean. Um, next part of this verse. It says, it does not insist on its own way. Woo. Woo. You ever went out to eat with a bunch of people, it's like 10 of y'all, and it's one person. Y'all know where I'm going. It's one person that they always got to have something different than what the nine want to have. And if the nine want to do something, the one said, well, I ain't, I, I'm, I ain't hungry. I ain't hungry. <laughs> Everybody eating caviar and steak. You know. <laughs> All kinds of appetizers, shrimp appetizers coming around. Their stomach growling, but they're so, they're, they're so, they're so selfish that they can't just submit and be with what everybody. See, and always insisting that things be done their way. That's not love. Love says, I want to do this, but I'm a, I'm a, this time I'm going to let y'all have what y'all want to do. Okay? That's what love does. Love breaks down and sacrifices for others when they want something else. Okay? And, and, and that, that means you don't, it's interesting to say they insist on their own way. But then it also says, love is not irritable or res, resentful. Not irritable. Just always got issues. You know what I'm saying? Angered, I, uh, angered for no reason. That's what it means. You're just angry. You know, you're like, you know, angry smurf. You know, just angry. <laughs> Resentful. This is interesting. This is interesting because, and this is a very, very serious one, if you will. Um, resentful, New American Standard translates it, take into account, doesn't take into account wrongs suffered. It's an accounting term. That means they, that, that accountants, whenever there was a charge, they would make sure they kept a record of it so that they can tally everything and make sure they get payment. Um, resentful or take into account wrong suffered is the type of person that even after you repent it, they're still bringing up a catalog of your sin. You ever had somebody, you thought it was over, it's been 10 years. 10 years. And they like open up I mean, I'm t- you like, where in the world, I mean, j- I mean, it's almost like they have a mental journal of all of the impact of you guys' relationship together. Yeah. Again, uh, resentful. That's not love. Love lets go of stuff, even if you can't be in relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 6, 
It said it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Uh-oh, wrongdoing. It, it, it can be translated injustice. You know, when the Rodney King verdict came out, or when, when the Rodney King deal happened and the verdict came out, I'll never forget watching, watching CNN. And I saw this, this I mean, this, this, this white guy driving his truck in, in the wrong neighborhood. And black folk pulled that, that dude out of that thing and beat that guy to a pulp. And other blacks celebrated him getting beat unjustly. But then on the other side, you had some whites celebrating the verdict. Injustice. We don't celebrate injustice. You, it says rejoice with the truth. You have to rejoice with the truth even, even if it doesn't come in your color. It, 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 even if it doesn't come in your, you, you, because the truth doesn't have a color. <laughs> and, and so he said, rejoice with the truth. Uh, you know, it, it's, that, that's why sometimes, some, I don't, I, it's hard for me to watch comics anymore, certain comics. Because some of the stuff that comics just make fun of, like this Black Jesus TV show, I'm just lost. <laughs> Jesus smoking weed. I'm like, wow. And laughing, ha <laughs> ha, I can't watch it. Because you got to be careful what you allow to entertain you and educate you at the same time. Because you don't recognize that if you laugh at a view of Christians or of Jesus, you'll begin to get desensitized from the holiness of God. Don't separate your relationship with Christ from your entertainment. Because what you let entertain you is what you love. Now, I'm not saying to turn off all secular music. I'm not saying turn off the TV. I'm not saying don't go nowhere. I'm just saying be careful what you let edutain you. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. I'm going to bring this to a close. Verse 7. It said, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This all things idea means that love continuously does all of these things. Bear means, again, to endure something unpleasant or difficult on someone else's behalf. Believe means that you believe that love just can, I can never lose faith. I'm just never going to lose faith, even though my situation is pushing me to. He said, he said, he said, this is the one I love though. Love hopes all things. Hope is a visionary picture of a preferred future that's revealed by Jesus Christ. Sometimes in life, and many times in life, there will be things that happen to you that will attempt to eclipse hope. That's why Paul says we're perplexed but not despairing. Because despair is the loss of any visionary picture of God being able to change anything. Perplexity says, God, I'm confused, but I trust you. See, when you love the Lord and when you love people, you hope with people and you hope in the Lord. And that means you begin to continue to push through places where you're not hoping. I like the way Spurgeon says it. Hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. You can't discover love and hope until you've been through something that demands that you look at Jesus. 
See, see, that's how you know you love the Lord. When you go through something and you're fighting to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Am I the only one that's ever been through something so dark, ever been in a dungeon so broken and so cold and so damp and so rat-filled spiritually that I had to find a way to look up and see the hope of glory in Christ? Have you ever been there? But, but, we, but, but what's good about love is we should not be ignorant of it. We are the most knowledgeable of love. We are the most knowledgeable of love because we as believers are the most experienced with love. How are we most experienced with love is because we've experienced the love of God through Jesus Christ. You've been loved and I have been loved too much to be a loveless community of people. You have enough examples throughout history to know that God has loved. It's beautiful to see that throughout the Bible, you see how Jesus, incarnate, pre-incarnate, and theophany-wise, has shown himself to be a lover. In, in other words, after Adam and Eve sinned, God told Adam and Eve that God was going to bring forth Messiah through her, and he killed an animal and covered her and pointed to Eve's seed. So that makes her, him, Eve's seed, yeah. And that, 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 that also makes him Noah's Ark. That's how he loved through that. He's Abraham's ram. And he, he's, he's Jacob's ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Joseph's dream. He's Gideon's fleece. He's Samson's strength. He's David's seed. He's Solomon's wisdom. He's Hezekiah's life extender. He's Daniel's ancient of days. He's Matthew's king. He's Luke's son of man. He's, he's, he's Mark's suffering servant. He's John Godman. Do you know him today? I just want to know, what is he to you? Is he your way maker? Is he your provider? Is he your strengther? Is he the lover of your soul? Is he your bomb in Gilead? Is he your way maker? Is he your way out of no way? Is he the bomb in Gilead? Is he the lifter of our soul? What is he to you? To me, I'd say I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters, he lifted me. He lifted me from the waters of desperation. He lifted me from the despair of my brokenness. He lifted me when I didn't want to be lifted. He lifted me when I hated him. He lifted. You should know love better than anybody. Because if you've experienced the love of God in Christ Jesus, he said, who can separate you? That, that's a rhetorical question. But then he gives a layout of height and depth and lift and width. Nothing can separate you. Not even you closing, <coughs> president of one of the most well-known Bible colleges on the planet, Columbia International University in South Carolina. The president came forward at the height of his career, 40 years in the game, leading so many seminary students into being global impact makers across the world. And at the height of his career, he came and did a 
three-and-a-half-minute sermon to the school. What he said is, today, I, I, I come to an easy and not hard decision. He said, my wife, who has Alzheimer's, has progressed. And he said, when she's without me, and I'm not around, he said, she's not doing well. He says, but only when I'm around and when I'm present does she do well. He says, so in light of that reality, to do for her what she's done for me for 40 years, I want to step down as president to minister and to be with my wife. In the greatest part of his career, where he should have been a sage to thousands, he became a servant of one. And I'm praying today that those of us who are recipients of the good love of the gospel, of the God who loved you where you were and took you where you couldn't be, that we would be a community of lovers because of God's grace to rest his wrath on Jesus instead of us and to not spare his only son, to spare us. Praise be to God for our need to love in return. Father, we thank you. And we honor you and we bless you for your fervor for us, your flavor for us, and your commitment to us that surpasses all of my comprehension. Any of us could grab a hold of the most lengthy broken issue in our life and look into that moment and see your love very much present. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior.